and let's get started. So here's the question, or rather the statement that was made. Who can tell me who made this statement? <laughs> it was Dead Mouse. Mr. Joel Zimmerman said, and I quote, I think given about one hour of instruction, anyone with minimal knowledge of Ableton and music tech in general could do what I'm doing at a Dead Mouse concert, which of course is a little bit crazy considering how much money he makes at a Dead Mouse concert. Does anybody have any idea? Did anybody read, I think it was the Forbes article about what big DJs are making right now? Okay, what was the top figure they quoted that a, a big DJ will make in Las Vegas for a one hour set? No, 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 for a set, just to show up and play music for 60 minutes. Now, that would be really ridiculous. The, the number quoted was 300,000, but typically these guys make between 100 to 200,000 for an hour set. And the controversy is that if all they do is hit play, what is the audience getting? Where's the creativity? You know, is digital DJing and DJing in general um, actually creative? And I think that's the question and the topic that I want to discuss with you today. Joel also said... Beat matching isn't even a skill <laughs> and fully admits that he just rolls up with a laptop and a MIDI controller to select tracks and hit spacebar. He also called out, um, was it Moby? Oh, it was uh, David Guetta for bringing iP iPads or iPods and just playing iPods. Um, I don't know if you guys have recently been paid $100,000 to play music from your iPod, but if not, you might be in the wrong profession. <laughs> Fortunately, there's a lot of very talented DJs who shot back and of course were very, very uh, upset by him calling himself out and I think the problem collectively pulling a lot of other people into the pot too. One of the most notable was A-Track, who if you don't know was a four-time DMC champion, really, really talented DJ and now a very popular producer. He did the Duck Sauce, Barbara Streisand track amongst many other popular EDM tracks. And Atrax said, crowds used to come to see DJs for musical journey. Now they expect to hear specific songs. And furthermore, they want to see a show. I can attest to this myself. The craziest crowd response that I get in my sets is when I play my own tracks. That and I built a huge illuminated A-shaped structure that I bring to my biggest gigs. And here is his custom A-shaped uh, DJ booth that he brings to festivals. He also said that we're in the middle of an arms race where every DJ tries to outdo the next one with shock and awe. You have to justify your price tag so you build these huge sets around you. This might be the peak of the arms race. This is Skrillex and his floating spaceship that goes up and down. It was a, it actually broken here. These two guys are trying to figure out why it won't go up. Ah, that's the part of your money hard at work. This may have been the inspiration, though. Anyone who went to this concert or heard it had nothing but good things to say. Uh, and this came well before this arms race of stage shows. Here's the inside of their setup. Has anyone ever seen this? It's pretty cool. They've got a lot of stuff going on. But the challenge here is that at this level, locked behind these walls, the crowd really can't see anything. So much of what, if they're doing anything, I, I believe they were, um, Daft Punk was doing is going to be lost on the crowd. So a lot of these big guys who don't have the commitment to live production or commitment to bringing their production onto the stage, it's much safer and it's much easier to literally just hit play on their most popular track if they're going to get the same reaction from the crowd. So in today's discussion, I want to talk about three things. Number one, the challenges of taking EDM to the stage. This is really the we all hit press play debate. 
And then I want to talk about DJing and the state of the digital DJ today and whether or not it's affecting all of us and whether or not we just press play as a result of digital DJ technology like this controller here. And finally, I want to do some demonstrations of current DJ technology, show you how it can be used, why it's cool, why it's fun, and why my answer to this question is no. We have the opportunity to just press play, but thanks to laptops and digital DJ technology, we actually have the opportunity to do some of the most creative things we've ever been able to do in our industry thus far. So that's what we're going to talk about. First, I'm going to take a sip of water and cover the producer's conundrum. How many people, again, are EDM producers here? Cool. And how many of you tried to deconstruct your song that you largely worked on in the studio and, and put it in a live format so you could perform it on stage? And does anyone want to be bold and tell us why that was a challenge or, or what you ran into when you went through that process? So it's impossible to play all the parts. Uh, what about reproducing the sound that you got? Did you have trouble doing that? Did everybody hear her answer? So her analog synth sounds different every time, and you're never going to get the same result. That magical moment that happened that she captured in the studio, it's going to be hard to recreate on stage. And I agree. For most modern EDM producers, uh, I had a great conversation with, with Skrillex and a few other people about this the other day. Uh, it, the magic is in their studio. It's in their mastering, mixing, uh, plug-in process, and how they've shaped their sound to create this just huge, huge wall of sound that sounds so good on big sound systems. And I've got a little uh, demo example for you here. Here's somebody you probably know who used to play a lot of festivals. Killer. His songs were written on instruments which were designed to be played live and it translated very well on the stage and what you heard on the record was largely what you heard on stage as long as he had a decent mix engineer. Now let's listen to what might arguably be the modern Jimi Hendrix. Not in terms of performance skill. I don't want to get any angry comments, but as far as the number of people who go to see this person live on stage at big festivals. It's just so wide and the compression and the pumping is done so well. His main tool is how he mixes and he's very, very good at it. So not only is breaking arrangements into live formats really difficult, you've got all these stems and you have to figure out, okay, do I play the bass part or do I play the vocal part? What do I play? Um, but oftentimes playing back a 24-bit master, which is what most professional DJs do, sounds awesome. And that's the best way it's gonna sound. If you're trying to redo the mix live, unless you're actually hitting play on the original session that's basically just doing a new bounce down and you're not gonna have all the mastering, it's just not gonna sound as good. So this is a real challenge for, for these guys. Um, and finally, I think that real improvisation in the sense of, uh, as we know it from jazz masters, is just not a big developed skill set of most EDM producers. So as a result, um, they made a great track. They're very popular. They're now the pop stars of today. Someone says, hey, I'll give you $200,000 to stand in front of a crowd. They're going to play it safe, hit play, and, and probably just let people have the good time that they want to have. Dead Mouse himself talks about this. Here's his live setup, by the way. And he says, somewhere in the middle of that mess, 
right there, is a computer running Ableton Live. There's MIDI data spitting to a handful of synths used in the actual production, which I can tweak, but it doesn't give me a lot of, look at me, I'm Jimi, Jimi Hendrix, check out this solo stuff, because I'm constrained to work on a set timeline because of SMPTE, it's a super redundant system, and more importantly, it's super reliable. And as he points out, that's the main thing these guys are after. They're not taking huge risks on stage. Um, so what's the answer? How can we make <laughs> live music performance more amazing? You know, has anybody ever watched, we posted a video of, um, who was it that I posted on, on, on DJ Tech Tools when we talked about this? Uh, Rage Against the Machine? Rage Against the Machine. Has anyone ever seen uh, live footage of Rage from the 90s? Give me one word descriptor of that, that experience. <laughs> Things on fire, political, full on. Just so into that moment. And, and what was going to come out of the other end of the speakers, I think, was both a surprise to them and to the audience. And it's that feeling that creates that magical moment live. Well, there is no one answer. But fortunately, some people have been doing some really interesting things. Uh, mainly flexible, uh, flexible Ableton live setups, where with really smart routing and designing songs to be played live, people are doing some really, really cool things that not only sound great, but the audience gets it, and there's actually some real value to playing these parts live. To demonstrate this, and to give you an example, I brought a friend along, Mr. Madzak. What's up, everybody? As I mentioned, Madzak uh, is one of the awesome young men who works uh, with me at DJ Tech Tools and he develops these Ableton Live sound packs. And together we've been working on building this, this environment where one person or two people or three or four can sit down and play together almost jazz style and, and do a, a fully improvised EDM-like performance uh, that's totally raw, totally in the moment, off the grid, and sounds amazing because of the way he's mixed and mastered the sounds to glue together. So without much further ado, Zach, He'll give you a little demonstration of a pack that he built specifically for this crowd. I haven't even heard it yet.
sound pretty awesome thanks guys so that that's very indicative of his live dj sets what i'd like you to show people though is the the improvisational element of the pack itself do you have an element in this pack or another pack you can pull up quickly where you can just play a a, a pure free jam improv uh, yeah, moment totally. so yeah one of the things that i've uh, i've worked out for playing live in this format is i build a lot of uh, what I call modifiers into the pack, so certain buttons change the quality of other sounds. So you know, I'll give you a little demo on this one. So every sound that uh, you hear comes from each one of the pads on one of these mini fighters. And the whole idea is that it's all very simple. Looks like he's got a little effect here on the 3D. 
so he can play at any tempo. Like, speed it up a little bit, Zach. And if I had my MIDI fighter plugged in, we could jam together. I could maybe play the bass line. And our sounds would be interacting with each other through the mix. That's awesome. Keep, keep playing and I'll just... Uh... Oh yeah, I just wanted to show you exactly how that, one of that's working, or one of those things I was talking about. So here I have like a normal hi-hat or splash kind of thing, but if I hold down the bass line, then it starts to play like more of a syncopated thing. Uh, one thing I've found definitely when playing all live like this is that it can be really helpful, especially if you're playing for a dance floor or something where people are really used to having a steady tempo. You can feel like you're definitely like floating through space with nothing to like hold on to tempo-wise. Um, so yeah, I've built in a lot of that kind of stuff to sort of keep the groove going. Nice. And I'd like to uh, also point out that um, one of the reasons why this sounds so good is because the sounds are all sort of glued together by really good side chaining. Uh, you know, the kicks are make, mixing with the bass and everything sort of sounds like a, a final mix, even though it's all being played live. Um, so you can literally just kind of jam out and sound pretty awesome. And, and how does this sound when you go onto a big sound system and you play in a, in a show? Uh, it sounds good, actually. Uh, one of the main reasons I do it in Ableton is because, uh, for me, one of the biggest things that makes something sound fat, um, electronic music-wise, is compression, side-chaining, and a lot of uh, softwares and things out there don't have that, but Ableton does have it. So I use live side-chaining to achieve a similar type of mix, and I mix and like compress everything beforehand so it still sounds really fat. Um, one of the main things I've learned over the past, gosh, 10 years of, of playing with controllers and trying to find out what's possible with DJing is that simple is usually better, especially when you go on stage. You know, you think about a guitar and it's really not a lot going on. Uh, you've got some notes, you've got some expression, you've got attack, you've got sustain, you've got release, and you can modulate the, the, the tone. So one thing that I really like about the MIDI fighter and, and just generally simple controllers is that when you get on stage, you're not confused. Your brain can kind of let go and you can get into the creative process, uh, really observe what the audience is doing, connect to them and, and play musically much like an instrument, which has been kind of a personal passion of mine is what is going to be the EDM instrument of tomorrow. I think when we define that, we're going to give these producers like Dead Mouse um, the tools to really actually go on stage and give us memorable performances. So thank you, Zach. Thank you. By the way, I don't want to make this a monologue situation, so I encourage you guys to ask me questions, point out errors, tell me I'm crazy, whatever comes to mind. Uh, at any point, yeah, we've got a microphone over here because I really want to make this a conversation and, and see what you guys think and what you'd like to talk about. You mentioned like the next EDM instrument, which will give producers the opportunity to go out and play, but do you think they will take that opportunity? It's mm, a good question. Um, I think that if the audience demands it uh, and votes with their pocketbooks, then they will. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I'd also like to add uh, to that that I think that perhaps it won't necessarily happen until the next generation comes along because right now this precedent has been set but for example running a a, re a live performing remix contest right now and this morning I was looking at all the submissions and I found this 11 year old from LA 
who's just completely destroyed anything else that I'd seen. I was like, what, he's just sitting there, he's like this tall, he's kind of like dweeby looking, and he's just like slaying it. So I think the more we, we give these tools out to the younger generation, and the more, you know, nobody can play an amazing guitar solo within a day of playing, but, you know, these things take time, a couple, you know, years to develop. So I imagine that the more we put it out there, it will happen down the line. Very good point. Um, there's one young man named, who you probably know, named Maddion, who has grown up on our site and other sites, and who, with his uh, pop culture uh, video, uh, really showed that you can make an amazingly wonderful and beautiful song live with live samples in Ableton. Um, and I'm seeing that kind of desire to really be involved in the music from all of that younger generation. It's very exciting. Um, all those guys that I talk to that are 17, 18, 19, 20 are, want to get involved. They just they don't want to go on stage and hit play. They actually want to do something. And they're also very, very smart. Maddion in particular really impressed me. The level of detail he's gone into in his live set is just insane. The guy's possibly a savant. It's uh, quite impressive. Any other questions about... Um, I have a question. Sure, sure. Um, is, there a, is there a technology that allows you to... Uh, record a live sound while you're mixing a song live. Like I'm a beatboxer and I want to mix beatboxing and you know production. So is there something that will allow me to uh, capture the sound and then the sound potentially goes into a, a, a box like that and then I can manipulate the sound I've made like if I can manipulate that sound. Is there, is there a technology that allows me to do that? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I think Kid Beyond is the best example of somebody who's already doing that wonderfully. Um, he samples himself, he's a beatboxer, directly into Ableton and builds layers upon layers. Um, the most creative and my personal favorite in that department is Jamie Lydell. If you guys have ever had a chance to hear him, it's just amazing. Jamie. Um, so absolutely, and I think that's a great, great point, that that is the intersection where true live performance and modern technology can meet when we uh, inject instruments into these digital zero and one boxes. Uh, any other questions on this particular topic before we move on to DJing? I have a question about the um, collaboration. Mm -hmm. So is there like a protocol or a culture of it where like you trade fours or someone does the base, or how, how, how do people collaborate? It's a good question. Um, we're just sort of exploring that territory now. Uh, trading fours is great. It's good for simple voicing and understand where you play. For the kits that we build, um, I'll let Zach talk about, but he usually separates them into parts. So you are kind of playing an instrument or a part in the band, even though you're playing Ableton. Yeah, on the ones that I've built for groups of people, a lot of time I'll, like if I have four banks to work with, I'll put drum type stuff on one, bass on another, lead synth and vocal kind of glitches or whatever, so that if you're in your bank, you can play any of the things and it'll, it'll it's not like you will be, everybody's trying to play the snare at the same time or something. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I try to format it just like a band where everybody has their own role. Um, that's one of the definitely the challenges with being one person trying to do something live. A lot of people in electronic music they gravitate towards it because they can create a whole production on their own. You don't have to like have four friends you really get along with that you can like dedicate three days a week to like spend two hours. I mean that's pretty complicated. So, but it is cool. But anyways, so yeah, keeping it one instrument per person. I think even though it, you might all be playing the same physical instrument, having a different set of sounds that you're working with. Thank you for the good question. Zach, I just had a question about your performance. What were you doing with your second MIDI fighter? 
Oh, okay. So basically, which one, the 3D or the Pro? Talking about this one or this one? Uh, talking about the black one that you were turning. Oh well, one of the cool things about uh, the 3D MIDI fighter is that you can control parameters based on how you tilt it. Um, so you actually have it's like one knob this way, another knob that way. So every angle that you tilt it is essentially like a different knob. There's also rotation. So um, I had some glitch effects set up to tilt like this, and then I also have the um, like the kick tuning and a lot of the drum tunings on the back tilt. So I use that to create builds and then it like drops when I put it back down. That's a good question. Cool, well let's move on to DJ stuff and then we'll of course have more opportunity to talk later. Um, so the, the big thing about this debate was that uh, it kind of lumped in people that use digital technology like this which have a lot of buttons um, in with with this comment or this the statement of button pushers, you know, is DJing just pressing play? And so I want to talk about that and sort of the state of digital DJing today, and sort of answer that question. You know, are DJs all just lazy and do these um, controllers and is this software sort of dumbed down what was a very creative industry? So let's look at the facts. Uh, DJing is, in fact, now much easier to get into more than ever. Uh, the barrier to entry has been significantly lowered. Uh, the technical difficulties DJs faced in the past are now gone, specifically beat matching and queuing. One of the hardest things to do as a DJ was to actually queue up the record and, and keep the record on that point at the precise time you needed to drop the one. That was actually pretty hard. Obviously, with digital DJ technology, that's been eliminated. Um, digital sync, which automatically matches the tempo and the phase of songs so they sound perfectly together. Looping and even auto mix uh, make it very easy to just press play. Um, so the question is, can anyone DJ? Well, let's look at it. DJing used to look like this. Uh, there's a pair of classic MK2s, uh, which are now discontinued, by the way. And a mixer. This would usually cost about 1500 bucks, and it would take three to nine months before reaching a minimum viable product. You know, something that you would actually go out and show people or, you know, record something and give it to your friends. I'm not saying you're a great DJ, but, you know, in startup lingo, MVP, three to six months, you might be able to have something to show the public. Now, for the beginner DJ, it looks something like this. Uh, this is the Control S2. It's sort of the stripped down version of the Control S4, which is a product that I designed for, for native instruments. Um, and I have one here. And this amazing little box condenses all of this, which is actually pretty wide, into a small, uh, portable, very affordable format. For $499, assuming you already have a laptop, you're DJing, and the MVP for something like this is maybe a week because it's removed a lot of the difficulties of just sounding good. So yes, you can literally just press play if you want. There's a sync button here. Um, let's tab over to Tractor, and we'll show you. So here I've got a track on the left. And what I'm going to do is just mix in the track on the right. I don't have any headphones. I don't have to beat match. I'm just going to drop the track at the appropriate time, raise my hands, and sound amazing. Or here, they're very perfectly matched. 
put an effect on top of it that's tempo matched. get the idea all I did be, thanks to this little button right here sync was hit play and the two are matched together perfectly so the answer to that question is yes you could literally just go on stage with sync and press play and have things sound relatively good um, what it doesn't remove of course is the actual most important process of observing the crowd listening understanding what the right song is and, and sort of moving the night that's I think what the most important thing a DJ uh, does However, so it's made it very easy to literally press play, but now we can do so, so much more. This is a video that I did for Native Instruments, and it was a little demo piece. Hopefully this works. And I'll just kind of walk you through what's going on here. started over so I'll just kind of walk you through what's going on here and this is using the exact same controller actually it's using the s4 and I've got two pieces of music here it's just a very simple beat and crazy train this is the original two track and the question was what could I do with just these two pieces of audio and sort of reinterpret them in a very interesting and artistically different way and I'll sort of walk you through what's happening here and the point is that with digital DJ technology even with just two pieces of audio I have the opportunity to do so much more uh, there's so much creative potential that that you just barely scratch the surface of you can just press play but you can also do so, so much more. So as you can see, I also had much longer hair then. <laughs> I got sick of the Jesus comments on YouTube. And <laughs> finally chopped it off. The top rated comment on every video was, Jesus is a DJ. And now the top rated comment is, what happened to Jesus? <laughs> oh, you can't win. So what I'm doing here is triggering cue points and sort of rearranging the Aussie song and getting the bass to line up with the kick. Now I'm adding a little gator effect. To chop up those samples and make it fit with the track. Now I'm going to use the filter to turn those same notes and kind of a little bit of a bass line. And I've recorded myself. So that bass line continues. Looks like I bring in an acapella here. And I record that too. And then I've taken a little micro loop. It's like a 30 second loop, which is short enough to start to modulate on itself. And if you put it through a bunch of effects, it kind of becomes a synthesizer. And I'm using the pitch and the uh, bend to sort of wobble it like you would a, a real synthesizer. But really, it's just a tiny, tiny little sliver of this track. So it's just DJing. There's three songs here, an acapella, the original Aussie track, and a beat that was made by a friend of mine. Um, and what comes out of it is something totally, totally different, which can be played different and sound different every time you go on stage. So finally, there's this little like micro loop solo moment.
looks like I'm using Q to sort of uh, do a tempo thing. Using the bend to kind of make it all wobbly. So as you can see, there's a lot that can happen. And that actually isn't that hard to do. So somebody can take digital DJ technology and do a lot more than just press play. So now we have live demo time. Excellent. These guys are awesome. All right, so what I want to show you I put some new music up here. Uh, I did another video where I got the original parts from Depeche Mode, which took a while <laughs> of convincing. They're, they're very protective of their music, understandably. Um, and they allowed me to do a little bit of a, uh, a live remix of, of the Depeche Mode track. And I want to use this as an example of showing you how digital DJ technology can be really creative. So uh, traditionally speaking, if we just kind of look at this controller, it's relatively simple. It, it has just replaced, you know, the mixer section here and, and there's the turntable moment there and basic transport stuff. But because it's digital and programs like Tractor and Ableton have basically low-level scripting in them, I'm able to go in and reinterpret these controls to do more uh, musical and exciting things. You know, just grabbing the record and scratching it is great, but it's going to get boring for everyone after a couple minutes. So instead I thought, well, what would happen if when I press the jog wheel it turned on an effect? And then as I moved the jog wheel, it would modulate that effect. And if I moved it more, it would add even more effects. And it would create this really sort of musically sonic playground for me to work on. And, and so that's what I did. And in this particular performance, I have a track going. What I've done is if I hit shift plus this little reset button, it sort of turns on this special mode where I can chop up the track. What I'm going to do is actually change out some of these effects so it sounds a little bit different. And each one of these effects is triggered by the jog wheel. So I'm going to choose a I can sort of, what I've done is I've grabbed that hat and I can mix it in, mix it out, modulate it. And it's really expressive and I can do it at any time. If I'm inspired, I'm seeing the, tr the crowd getting really into it, I can just re reach down, grab a track. And sort of affect it. And then on the right side, I've got a Depeche Mode vocal. So, into my little world, crashing in, crashing in, crashing in. I turn sync off. Um, and I've got a similar kind of situation going on over there where if I uh, press the jog wheel, it's going to grab a part of that song. So I can sort of, you know, maybe play the first part of the vocal and then grab a line at the end and trail it out and create a pretty, you know, advanced production uh, technique or trick on the fly. And that would sound something like this. Into my mind, 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 into my mind
So, um, I haven't done that in a long time, but you know, you can just pull it up and jam. And I think that's what's really cool and really expressive about digital DJing is that uh, you can literally engineer and sort of create your own reality. Uh, who read Choose Your Own Adventure as a kid? Yes. <laughs> so I, I kind of think that digital DJing is the choose your own adventure equivalent of modern music technology. You can kind of choose your own adventure. How do you want to play? What do you want to do? It's just up to your imagination and your creativity. So the answer to the question, uh, you know, do we all just press play is yes, we can, but we also have the possibility to do so, so much more. And so therefore I would argue that the present state of DJing, digital DJ technology and controllerism is in a very, very exciting place. And I just can't wait to see what this next generation of young uh, kids creates with it. Um, they're gonna blow me and everyone else out of the water and you know make our work just look <laughs> Uh, freshman in comparison. So uh, now I would like to open it up to you guys and have a little bit of a discussion and, and talk about this, uh, this subject. What controller is that first? This is the Tractor Control S2. S2? Yes, that's correct. Okay, so about four months ago, all my friends told me to get Tractor. I bought an NS7 and Serato Itch. Me and my girl been talking about Tractor and Appleton all night last night. It's kind of crazy. We had this talk till 2 o'clock in the morning. But the things you've been doing are very amazing to me on there. What are your – do you have any thoughts on the difference between Itch and Tractor? And why would a person use Itch, Serato Itch, or Serato versus Tractor? Cool. That's a great question. Um, so I think I could rephrase it by saying, what's the difference between Itch, Tractor, Ableton? Like, why would you go into one? Zach uses Ableton. I use Tractor. A lot of guys use Itch. A lot of guys use Serato. You know, which is better for what? I think the answer is largely um, how creative do you want to get? If we set it up as a spectrum of infinite creativity to more limited creativity, uh, and we put like sort of limited creativity over here, I'm a big diagram person. So if we make this like the yellow one uh, do anything you want, and we make the blue one, you know, just play great music, I would put Serato squarely over here. It's really wonderful at just picking and playing good tracks. Simple interface, but doesn't give you a lot of creative possibilities in terms of mapping or, or reconstructing the way that you want to DJ. On the opposite end of the spectrum over here would be Ableton Live. With tools like Max MSP, you can literally create your own reality, uh, which is what uh, Zach and many other talented people have done. That's what producers like Bass Nectar and Skrillex uh, and a lot of the top guys touring are using to play live because they can engineer uh, their own situation. Uh, I think Tractor, ironically right here, uh, sits squarely in the middle. So it's, it actually does a really good job of being flexible. On one hand, you've got you know two simple decks. Here I've got one track. Here I've got another track, and I can play the two on top of them. But there's also these extra decks down here where I can add loops and samples that are kind of Ableton-like. And what's really interesting, if we go into Geekland a little bit, in the Preferences window, is this whole controller manager. And what's really fun about this control manager is that you have very, very low-level scripting. So I could say a thing like, imagine if um, when I hit my pause button, 
I wanted to also trigger an effect for some reason. It would be really, really easy to do. I would just add a command saying, hey, on effects unit one, button one, when I press this button, please turn on. And magically, if we put an effect there, that's what's going to happen. Let's just change that value, route it, and now you'll hear. Now, what if I was to say, this is all sort of off the cup, cuff, uh, as I press that button, I hold it down, please change the value of the effect so it does a little bit of a build. That'd be kind of cool. So we would say, uh, uh, effects unit one, knob one, okay, when I press this button, can you please increase your value at a default rate? And let's start it low. So now it should ramp up. Uh, now, so it'd be something like, Something like that. So these are just very, very simple crude examples of the scripting power of Tractor, which kind of allows you to be a little bit Ableton-esque and still be more of a DJ. Um, and I think the main difference is the fact that I can, in the moment, pull up any track and just play a track. I can really read the crowd and really observe what does the crowd want and respond in time. Whereas with Ableton Live, um, it's very challenging because you need to have your, so your songs pre-warped, they need to be in WAV files. You really kind of need to know what you're gonna play in advance is the main difference. Um, itch, to speak specifically to that, is kind of Tractor-like, but it doesn't have the scripting power that Tractor does. That's what I was saying. Yeah, you just can't do quite as much with it. This, this controller editor, if you're into this, whole, this stuff and you kind of want to you know, modify and, and do it yourself, is very, very powerful and relatively easy to use. As you've seen, anyone can really do it. It's not that hard. More questions? Throw them at me, this gentleman here. How's it going, Ian? It seems like Native Instruments is kind of on board to help the realization of one of like the earlier hacker modifier dreams that you've had, you've kind of been cultivating for a while. Um, I have one of your early VCI arcade mods, and mm. I was wondering, are you still, I mean, I, don't, I haven't read the blog in a bit, but are you still doing that? Are you modifying the S4 at all? Are things still being cut apart and hacked apart? Or have you kind of settled into, uh, you know, working with what they've built for you? That's a good question. Um, so, uh, if the, for, I'll give you guys a little bit of a brief history on, on you know myself and, and where I came from. As I said, I've been DJing since '96. I know I don't look that old, so you're probably thinking, "Whoa!" Um, I started when I was 16. I got my first gig in the basement of a club, and it just kind of went from there. And uh, in 2003, I started writing an article for, uh, or rather a column for Remix Magazine titled The Digital DJ. I had been playing with controllers for a couple years and I wanted to kind of share with other people what I was discovering in this world. Um, that column went on for three years and then in 2007, I started a website called DJ Tech Tools. And one of the very first videos we posted was this video here and you guys are gonna laugh. I know you are. Just don't laugh too loud. And, and you're gonna see why. Uh, so this is the first video I ever posted, and it got, uh, what I had done is I took this controller that had these really hard, non-tactile, pain-in-the-butt buttons that were giving me carpal tunnel because I was trying to play them like an instrument. And I'm a guitarist, so I really want to wail. You know, my heroes are, are, you know, guitarists who are up there just like slamming. And so I said, well, what can I do about these buttons? And I, it just so happened that there was enough room in the front, you can kind of see it here, in the front of this controller to hack in arcade buttons. 
And this was really a musical thing for me, but what I didn't expect was that it would captivate and sort of interest the whole gamer world. And Gizmodo ran the, um, the, uh, the video as well as in Gadget, and it brought me a whole bunch of people who were like, yeah, me too. I love music and I love games and I love arcade buttons, but how can I get into this whole thing that you're doing? And so this was, I think, arguably one of the first controllerism videos. <laughs> This was shot in my girlfriend's apartment with a... Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Ian Golden again from DJ Tech Tools. Yes, that is a headband. I'm um, super happy to report that I got my modified VCI 100 casing back from the shop. Um, basically, I did this to more easily perform something we're calling controllerism, which is doing turntable-style techniques, crabs, beat juggles, and other kind of things with controllers. Unfortunately, most of the controllers out there on the market really aren't so good for this, so you kind of have to do your own thing. Let me show you what I'm talking about. So then I go on to just sort of chop like up a couple, couple yeah. tracks. This is an old version of Tractor. Yeah, I think it's Tractor too. And it's just super primitive cue point juggling. I'm just jumping around in the songs, but it was so much fun to like hit the button and have it go somewhere. This is a big deal. <laughs> so that's kind of where it started. A whole bunch of people started reading the site, and then uh, a whole bunch of people started asking for these controllers, so we built our first controller that was for DJs specifically. Um, and it sold out in two hours, and, and I realized, wow, there's something here. Uh, we should make more controllers, and that's kind of what we've been doing ever since, is asking ourselves, what could we make that's really, really cool and helps people have a lot of fun with music? And that is uh, today DJ Tech Tools. In case you guys are not aware, this is a site that um, I founded and still run today. And there's uh, four different versions of the site or areas of the site. There's the blog, which is... Um, uh, just articles and tutorials and reviews and and we just cover a lot of digital DJ culture There's a shop where we carefully curate both our own products that we design and build and other products that we really believe in And there's a very very active active community forum where people talk amongst themselves and we started building a whole bunch of cool tools that allow the community to coalesce around this technology. This is one such tool where people can upload, download, and share mappings. So the mapping is the file that I showed you here. If I wanted to share my work here with the world, I could literally just hit export, put it up on DJ Tech Tools. Other people could download it. They could rate it. They could edit it, create their own stems and, and sort of remixes of my mappings. And so there's this whole super active community here of people who are creating these mappings and sharing them with each other. Um, and that's, that's DJ Tech Tools, uh, which is a lot of fun and, and has taken sort of like its own, <laughs> it's taken on its own life, which is sort of cool. Um, yeah, what else can I, uh, what else would you like to talk about? Uh, this is kind of a two-part question, but sure. um, first of all, what, what is your best-selling controller uh, to date? And second of all, um, I'm sure you've heard of Keith McMillan's Cuneo. Uh, what do you think of that as a tool? So by best-selling controller, do you mean the one that I, a uh, controller that I've designed? That you've designed, yeah. Or, or designed and manufactured? However you want to answer it, it's fine. Uh, the best-selling controller I've designed to date has to be the S4. I think, uh, as far as I knew, last year it was one of the best-selling DJ products in the world. They've sold so, so many of them. Tractor's S4? Yeah. Uh -huh. You designed that? I did. I didn't realize that. Yeah. That's awesome. Congrats. And what do you think of the Cuneo? 
I think it's really cool. It's very creative, um, mm -hmm. and it's it's a it's the direction things need to go in. You know, with our MIDI Fighter 3D, we introduced motion control um, and expression, bringing things off the table. The uh, Cuneo introduced um, really creative multi-directional aftertouch, mm -hmm. and I think we need to make our instruments expressive and playable and and really really interactive. So. Yeah, what do you see as being the next uh, level of interactivity with these types of instruments? I think better defining the landscape. Um, you know, with a guitar, it's understood. You plug into an amp, you've got some chords, and people understand the instrument, not only the audience, but the, the, um, uh, the players themselves. So better defining and creating almost a uh, canon of, of uh, like this uh, gal here asked, you know, how do you guys play with each other? Um, starting to define the landscape of how people play so both the audience and players understand it and can interact with each other and really produce amazing results. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, there was a gentleman here, I think, right? I'll try to make this quick because I think we're short on time. But Oh, <clears throat> yeah, sorry. We're um, out of time. On, uh, <laughs> on, on one hand, we've had this progression of technology where the units of audio a DJ can manipulate have become become much more granular. Once upon a time, the unit of audio was a track on a piece of vinyl, and you had a mixer. Uh -huh. Now you can get as granular as Ableton Live, where you're manipulating individual clips and even notes and samples, and as you said, you have a whole spectrum of things in between. There's another continuum of what it is to have cred as a DJ, and a sort of old-school cred is the ability to read a crowd, to curate and sequence the tracks of others and turn that into an evening of entertainment for eight or more hours. Um, the new school DJ credibility is to be able to present your own electronic tracks, um, possibly in combination with others, but mainly to present your own um, in a way that's increasingly granular and allows for controllerism and improvisation uh, and, and, and so on. And I'm just wondering if philosophically you had any thoughts on, you know, is it the increase in technology that's driving the change in what it is to have cred as a DJ? Is it the reverse uh, chicken or egg? Well, you did a great job of summarizing the state of DJing today. Um, it used to be about what tracks you had because it was on vinyl and there was only a thousand or two thousand pieces pressed and if you had that track it was valuable and you were valuable. You brought with you your collection and it was about your curation and your your selection of music. Um, but then the mp3 happened and everyone has the same music. So I think just as things evolve this is the natural evolution where it became more about what do you do with your music and less about what music you necessarily had. Um, so I think is the question, is one better than the other? I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to say it that way, but if, if you're really spinning live, um, in, in today's environment of being able to present your own electronic tracks um, with as much or as little improvisation and real-time arranging as you want, how important still are, are those old-school skills of being able to read a crowd and being able to sequence a bunch of tracks in... In, in the right way. How, is that, how important is that to one's brand as a DJ? Well, you know, unfortunately today you get booked not by being a great DJ, you get booked by what tracks you have. If you have a big hit, that gets you on the stage. Um, so 
it's not going to get you booked, I think it'll keep the crowd there. And I think it's a very underdeveloped and underappreciated skill. I watch a lot of DJs who are playing massive stages and don't know how to uh, hold a crowd, don't know how to sequence, and don't know how to create a moment. You know, I think Z-Trip is a great example of someone who walks the line between doing really creative things, but also being a great sequencer. He picks amazing songs that people love, you know, touch points of culture in various years and brings them together in a meaningful way that tells a story. And so I, I hope that the younger generation of EDM superstars who are playing on stages now will take some time to, to learn that and develop that, that trait and realize that it's not just about hitting play on your hit song, but actually taking people on a little bit of a journey because I think that can be a really positive experience. Um, so I think, are we totally out of time? Okay. Thank you so much for coming, guys. I appreciate your time and attention. And Thank you. I'd be happy to answer any questions you have here.